fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Your friends don't play fantasy? LOL. What a bunch of nerds. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Eve. We are back on Fantasy Football Today. I'm Adam Azer. I never went anywhere. But Dave Richard did. He went very, very far away. He's back stateside from his European trip. Welcome back, Mr. Dave Richard. It's great to be back. I thought a lot about football while I was gone. Uh, I went to Europe. Well, I went to Europe. I went to Paris for just about my entire time. Spent most of. <clears throat> sorry, I'm I'm battling a cold. Uh, I spent a little bit of time in Normandy, France. Oh, Adam, I'm sure you know what happened in Normandy, France, specifically in 1944. I do know. Yes, <laughs> I, okay. I do know. My my parents went there and they had like a life-changing experience it was so amazing same. same strongly recommend anybody who goes out that way to to check out omaha beach utah beach see the entire there there are pieces of history from world war ii that are still there that are incredible uh, along with the uh cemetery the american cemetery out in normandy very sobering um but it made me very very proud to be an american and uh had a great time in paris Definitely beat all my expectations, and now I'm I'm ready to buckle down and talk a little foosball. Yeah, the real football. Because one thing, like I'm always proud to be an American, except this year when I've been watching the World Cup because we haven't been in it. But now we're talking about real football, good football. Just kidding, I like both NFL football and putting Keenan Allen under a microscope today. We got a Twitter poll about the top three tight ends. Uh, just a teaser. Wait until you hear how good the Chargers offense has been their last three years with Ken Wisenhunt as the offensive coordinator. Very impressive stuff. Dave, let's start with the big news. And what do we know right now about LaShawn McCoy? By the way, your email's later, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. And I am unveiling draft strategy number two. Yesterday was all about upside. Today, a different draft strategy. But LaShawn McCoy being accused of domestic violence. Uh, what do we know now, and uh, what what do we do from a fantasy perspective? Well, he was actually accused of domestic violence, child abuse, animal abuse. He uh, he's and also drug abuse, potentially using steroids, according to a, an Instagram post. He has denied everything, and it's just if you've been on Twitter or any social media, you've probably seen the picture going around of. Is it his wife, his girlfriend? I'm not sure what it is, but a woman that he had a relationship with um, as the victim of a violent attack. There's no evidence as of now that connects Shady to it, but it it's ugly. And it goes without saying that if if there's anything that suggests that he's behind this attack on this woman, you're not going to see him play football, period. It's going to be over. And Buffalo's going to have to go in a different direction at running back. It's going to be over. It's going to be uh, well. It could be, a, it could you, be a six-game suspension or something. You like know, that. the way that this looks and the things that he's accused of—if that's all true, then yeah, well, yeah, all this he, stuff. Listen, yeah. Buffalo will cut him. They they will not. How can you stand by him? Right at this point, I don't want to. Especially, I, this is one of the 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 teams in the league where the wife of the owner is very visible and. Kim Pagula definitely um, won't, won't certainly won't stand for anything like this. He'll be off the team for sure if he did it. No one should rush to judgment, but right, right. this is the time of year where the Scott Fishbowl drafts are happening, best ball drafts are happening. You are absolutely going to see LaShawn McCoy's value drop like a giant stone until we find out officially what's going on. They have Chris Ivory. Is that the backup that would, in theory, get the most work? That's the guy. Um, uh, this this is not a great fantasy situation. But Buffalo was already a, a tough place to like a bunch of fantasy guys. And if LaShawn's not there, I think Chris Ivory would be the main one. I looked at Brian Dayball's uh, history with any players out there that might be able to fit into what he's doing. You can think about some former Patriots running backs. You can think about Bo Scarborough, who was his running back last year at Alabama. The Cowboys drafted him. I don't know what it would take. For, for Dallas to give him up, but Dallas is pretty set at running back. Otherwise, it might not take too much, but these are all 
desperation and extreme scenarios for the Bills if they are to uh, part ways with LaShawn McCoy. You could be talking about the worst offense in the NFL. It might already be uh, it might already be bottom five with LaShawn McCoy. Right. Okay. Well, I, really, the the purpose here, I think, was the, yeah, like you said, the best ball drafts, cr- getting Chris Ivory's name out there. But we will not rush to judgment. We will let this play out and sure, hopefully get some more clarity. I, 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 you know, this seems so trivial, but if you're in a best ball, when do you feel comfortable taking the chance on drafting Lashawn McCoy? Oh, round late. Uh, after like the 45th pick, maybe I'd start thinking about it because it could be nothing. It could be bogus. I I'm I certainly don't condone lighting draft picks on fire, but round I, I think you might be right. Round round five, round six is what I was thinking. Where you take McCoy, you've already got four good players on your team. He's sitting there. You know what his potential is if he does play. But this is this is this is going to be ugly for Lashawn McCoy no matter what, just because he's been accused. It's not the first time he's been accused either. Remember the Philadelphia yeah, yeah. bar fight, but he didn't get suspended after that. No, this is this is just. Uh, well, I, you know, no, I don't want to get that. I don't want to get because that's not yeah. fair right now. You know, let's just let's just uh, let the. Can let I the just say I, I hope he had nothing to do with Same. it, and I hope the person who did have something to do with it is punished to the full extent of the law. And you know, I, I didn't think really at the time when the Reuben Foster news was just breaking. I didn't think there would ever be a situation where all the charges were dropped and he would only get suspended for two games. So it's just, you know, we don't rush, we won't rush to judgment. Now, yesterday we talked about drafting for upside. Every single pick just make it all about upside. Uh, that was a, a strategy that I'm thinking about using and I might have mm. fun with it. Might do that for one or two leagues. But the question was, how do we find the next Todd Gurley? And I asked the people on Twitter, who's the next Todd Gurley? And everybody was kind of targeting. You know, a lot of people said Dalvin Cook, but that was a little bit too high end. Uh, I do think that that's a great guess. But more in the third round range or, you know, after pick 24 or 5, Derek Henry, Jarek McKinnon, Joe Mixon, Alex Collins. These were some of the names mentioned. Uh, we talked a lot about it yesterday, Dave, but I just want a new perspective on it. If there was one guy, one running back in that range that you think has the chance to be Close to Todd Gurley, close to elite this year. Who would it be? Without it being a, a top twenty overall pick, obviously. Yeah. So like like I think Dalvin Cook is a great, great guess, like you said, because it's almost the exact situation that he's in. He's a three down player, works with a good offensive line, has a great defense helping him out, and uh and a creative play caller. Now he's got a real creative play caller uh, in Minnesota. And if if those are the Things that we're looking for with a running back, if that's what the qualifications are, I don't know if there's really anybody out there that checks off all those boxes, but I'm going to give you a name and it's just a name that I'm going to keep saying because I really believe he's going to have a good year and a good career in the NFL. And it's Ronald Jones in Tampa Bay. I think he's oh. a three down player. I think his offensive line is better than what Tampa Bay had last year. It's a team that does run the football a lot. They've been top 10 in rush attempts two of the last three years. And that defense, especially the front seven, got a lot better. So there's going to be certainly more opportunities for Tampa Bay to run the football this year compared to last year. And they need playmakers bad in the first three weeks of the season. So I I, I see, and the competition for Ronald Jones is weak. I think he's going to end up being their best back by far. And I think he could end up having a sensational year where you will be very happy taking him round four, round five, maybe if, if you bump into him in round six. Just the type of value at running back. That's that fun. Run. That's fun, Dave. That was a lot deeper than I thought. Does Jarek McKinnon not meet that criteria of? Better? I don't. I don't know if the 49ers defense is uh, is as good as what the Rams defense was last year. The Rams. And, the Rams run defense wasn't very good last year. No, no. But and and they used Todd. Gur- he was their leader in receptions last year. So. That might be another That's tough McKinnon. box to check off. Well, no, McKinnon was. I'm talking about Gurley. No, no, but McKinnon, he's not going to lead them in receptions, but he has the potential. I would to be, be surprised very if he did that. No, right. he won't he lead might them. Be but second. but yeah, he he could have, as Jamie said yesterday, a 70 catch upside. I'm worried about McKinnon delivering on 220 plus carries. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just not sure he's going to get that type of work, but he still could get. 
190, 200 carries and 70 catches, and I think Fansooners would be just fine with that. We actually got an email, Dave. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find who it was from. Oh, I found it. It's from Jacob. Last year you were constantly talking about Matt Breida taking over or taking more carries or passes from Carlos Hyde. And now that McKinnon is here, I hear, I heard you mention Breida maybe once. What about the Niners' backfield today suggests that Breida won't be a factor? Um, Hyde is very good running back, maybe better than McKinnon as a whole, so I'm just confused. That's Jake from Queens. Well, last year we had a lot of fun with that backfield because we, we were taking Carlos Hyde fairly early in drafts, but we definitely wanted to find that guy behind him. And I remember I was all about Joe Williams at this time last year. Mm-hmm. I was excited about him. I liked the way that he looked, and I thought the fit was good. And then he got hurt, and he didn't play. Brita, I think, has the leg up on everybody else in the San Francisco backfield behind McKinnon. And he's got a little more – I, I feel like he's got a little bit more power running to his game than maybe even McKinnon has. It doesn't mean that he's going to be – First and second down guy, McKinnon's going to play third down. The only way that that happens is if McKinnon just absolutely sucks early on. I don't think that's going to quite happen. I think Breida can end up taking uh, seven, eight uh. max <laughs> touches per game. Breida had 105 carries last year. Carlos Hyde had 240. So 105 divided by 16 is, I don't know, I'm, uh, like a little less eight? than seven. Oh, a little seven? less than seven. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, uh, with Carlos Hyde still getting 240 carries, that was encouraging. And Brita, by the way, got a bunch of carries while he, wow, he got 11 or 12 carries in four of the five games that Jimmy Garoppolo started. I'm just looking at this now. Carlos Hyde in those five games had a ton of carries. They ran the ball a lot. Uh, he had 14 or more in every game. Well, he had 14, 15, 16, 17, and 21 carries. So I actually split it pretty evenly, fairly evenly in those games, like 60-40, maybe 65-35, but yeah. a lot of running, a lot of running in those games. Uh, yeah, I'm not ready to crown Jerick McKinnon the next great three-down running back. It's like I said, I'm worried about him being consistently good on those early downs and holding up for you know, the, the physical toll that it takes. There might be a reason why Tampa, why Tampa Bay, why Minnesota uh, held back on him a little bit when he had opportunities to play. Okay. Why did Latavius Murray have so many opportunities last year? It's a good, good point. Good question. So Brita will have a role. He's absolutely draftable. And I don't think you have to take him if you get McKinnon, but I don't think it's a bad idea because now you're taking two good running backs, both of whom can play all three downs. I don't know if they're both great in every single aspect of, of, you know, the running back position, but great coordinator. Team that's on the rise, great quarterback. They run the ball more when that quarterback was on the field. That'll continue. And, you know, I'm, I might have poo-pooed their defense a little bit. It's certainly worse in the secondary than it is against the run. They'll be competitive, but it's it's a tough division. It's a tough schedule for the 49ers. And uh, I, I, I just I, – I don't like where McKinnon's going, to be honest. Wow. I think he's – I don't think he's – I you know, I, I, I I'm never going to say that He's he's going just way too super early. Forget 24th. about it. I, I like him in round three in PPR. Twenty fourth overall on MFL ten since June first. Uh, I I've been saying it. I think McKinnon's going to be one of the most polarizing players in fantasy. There are going to be people that people that really love him and people that don't. And uh, you'll have to decide which side you're on. We're going to give you cases for and against. We've been putting him under the microscope all off season. Uh, some some things to tell you about real quick. We got newsletters. If you want a quick way to get some fantasy football advice, the analysis from Dave, Jamie, and Heath, all of the things that we're featuring on the website, a link to our podcast, which you don't really need, but it's there. You can get the newsletter at uh, cbssports.com slash fftdaily, cbssports.com slash fftdaily. Now, can I take, say something about that, Adam? Uh-huh, yeah. I love these newsletters. Um, when we send them out, it's just a couple of links of what's happening now. In fantasy football. And I know people hate getting spam mail, but go to the site, check it out, subscribe to the newsletter. And if you don't open any of the first five, then just unsubscribe. But you will find cool stuff in these newsletters to help you win your league. Really recommend. I, I I get them and I'm writing this stuff that's going out. (laughs) I get them too. I, 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 here's my secret. I, I get, I also get the letters for baseball and at least once a week, I'm opening one of the emails because there's something in there. That I think is going to help me win my AL only league. Yes. Yeah, so CBSSports.com slash FFT daily, FBT daily for baseball, but 
cbsports.com slash fftdaily. Now take that URL and get rid of the word daily and go to cbsports.com slash fft and start a fantasy league on CBS. Opening kickoff is getting closer. All right, we got training camp coming up. I'm telling you, we love – we're biased, yeah. But we've played on all the websites, and I'll speak personally. I think CBS is the best. We got customizable scoring. You can create your own stat categories. You can adjust scoring by position and more. Uh, you want to put first downs in there. You want to devalue the touchdown vultures, whatever you want. Schedule flexibility. You can play multiple matchups every week. Advanced stats for the analytics-savvy managers. You can trade future draft picks. Up to three years of future draft picks can be swapped. It's better for Dynasty now. We're really focusing on Dynasty. We've revamped the league history, and we've made it much easier for commissioners to use the in-app commish tools. You're going to really love it. CBSSports.com slash FFT. Sign and up right Adam now. will give people $200 yep. each for signing up. Every single one of you, $200 that I'm taking from Dave, giving to you. No, no, no. That that wasn't part of the deal. You're just going to give them the money. Take it from Jamie. That's what it was. Take it from Jamie. Okay, uh, let's do the Twitter poll here. Which of these three tight ends has the most upside? And then, of course, we asked, who has the most downside? And the three tight ends are Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, and Zachary Ertz. Dave, which of those three has the most upside, Gronk, Kelsey, or Ertz? Well, we've seen it from Rob Gronkowski for many of his years in the National Football League. When he's on his game, he plays like a top 10 wide receiver at the tight end position. I think he's absolutely got the most upside of anybody in this group. I don't know how you could answer anything else. Gronkowski, yes, uh, 64% of the vote. And look, he, he's last year very, very similar stats. To Travis Kelsey, he had a down year in touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski, he only had eight. He played 14 games. I have no idea what happened in week 17. He played about 60 to 70% of the snaps and got zero targets. So I don't know what that was, but he had, uh, he had 1100 yards and eight touchdowns basically in 14 games, kind of 13 games because he had no stats in week 17, but he had a huge postseason, three touchdowns in like two and a half games. Uh, so Gronk is the winner. He has 64% of the vote. The Who's other, second? Kelsey with 19%, Ertz 17%. Sounds about right. The 36% of you that didn't vote for Rob Gronkowski, I, I don't know that we can be friends. Now, uh, which of these three, three tight ends has the most downside? Gronk, Kelsey, or Ertz? And we're eliminating the whole injury no. thing from the, no, no. So not? to clarify, I think it's just, you assume everyone's healthy for week one, and then you take anything else that you want into account. Well, then it's got to be Gronkowski because he's the oldest of the three. And we just as we've seen him put up monster numbers in the past, we've also seen him get hurt and hobble off the field, never to be seen again after five games. So huge risk with him, but it's almost worth it because he's got so much talent and so much potential in an offense that's now going to be without Julian Edelman for the first four weeks of the season. He did win the poll. Gronkowski got 54% of the vote. Kelsey and Ertz each got 23% of the vote. So Gronkowski has the most upside. Gronkowski has the most downside. Out of the other two, Kelsey and Ertz, who has more upside, who has more downside? Well, I'll tell you. If you were to if you were to say throw out injury for the downside question, I would have told you Travis Kelsey has the most downside this year because of the addition of Sammy Watkins, who is going to – Definitely take targets away from everybody else in this offense, including Tyreek Hill. But I think he could take away touchdowns from Kelsey that Tyreek Hill wouldn't normally get. We know that Tyreek Hill is not a red zone threat the same way that Travis Kelsey is. And pretty much every touchdown that Sammy Watkins scored last year, save for one, I believe, all came in the red zone. Hmm. So Watkins can do it all. Very versatile. He can catch deep passes. He can catch short passes. He can work in the red zone. He's a good route runner. As long as his foot is healthy, he should be fine. I think he'll hurt Kelsey in Kansas City. Whereas in Philadelphia, Trey Burton's gone. The number two tight end is a rookie. He might catch three or four touchdowns. I can see Ertz's touchdowns go up this year because I still think it's going to be hard for defenses to double-team him with all the other weapons on the field for Philadelphia. So the thing with Ertz, he probably would have been my vote for most downside. Because he still has not cracked 900 yards in a season yet. He's dealt with some injuries, played 14 games each of the last two seasons. His quarterback is coming back from an ACL injury, although he did very well with Nick Foles. Um, 
he had 11, 8, and 2 fantasy points in three games with Nick Foles. Week 17, I don't think really counts. I don't know if he played week 17, actually. Um, well, he must have. Yeah, he did. And then in the postseason, he had a huge game against Minnesota and a huge game against New England. Uh, bad game against Atlanta. But yeah, again, like he hasn't gotten past 853 yards in his four seasons. He finally had a year with more than four touchdowns. I, I think he's better than that. But, you know, the, the numbers so far haven't really been there. He, put it this way. He's not, he hasn't done what Kelsey and Gronk did last year. Nope. But I think he can. Yeah, me too. So that's, there's a reason why he's going to go third among tight ends. But I, I, I think there's still room for him to grow. I don't know if that's quite there for Kelsey. You don't think so? I, let me clarify. No, not with Sammy Watkins. Though. I don't no. think that Ertz can do what Gronk did like in previous years. No, I don't. Two think years he can ago, either. but he can do what he did last year: eleven hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Be a hell of a year for him. Um, let me give some numbers real quick. Talking about the impact that Sammy Watkins might have. So I looked at uh, Travis Kelsey's four seasons, and or the last four seasons. I think is he going into his fifth or his sixth? He's going into the sixth year. Uh, fifth year. Anyway, um, in his four seasons. So let's just take the last two when he's, you know, really broken out. He led the team in targets both years. He had 117 in 2016 and 123 in 2017. In those two years, Tyreek Hill was second in targets, 83 in 2016 and 105 in 2017. Number three on the team, Jeremy Macklin with 76 targets in 2016. Albert Wilson with 63 targets in 2017. So how many targets do you think Sammy Watkins gets this year? 102. Yeah, that would blow away anything that we've seen from a number three wide receiver or a number three target, number three pass catcher, be it a running back, wide receiver, whatever, on the Chiefs in the Kelsey era. And uh, mm. that would that could hurt, but maybe they'll throw more. This is where they've ranked in pass attempts last four years, 28th, 29th, 25th. And 17th last year. I also think that it's it'll come down to how defenses play them week after week, series after series. Really, it's going to come down to that. I would imagine that most defenses are going to play a type of zone scheme where they just try and not give up the big play and keep everything in front of them. That that could help Kelsey. He'll be in single coverage a lot, find holes, uh, you know, ten yards off the line of scrimmage, stuff like that. And a lot of it also comes down on Mahomes. Is he going to be an accurate thrower? Is he going to have a tendency to throw deep when a play breaks down? How much is he going to look for Kelsey? Just just another factor to think about when you consider the Chiefs. So, uh, by the way, the reason I was confused about how long Kelsey has been in the league, he missed his entire rookie season. He did. So he has played four years. He's been in the league four years. All right, that is our Twitter poll. It is clear that Rob Gronkowski has the uh, the most potential outcomes, most upside and most downside. But he's also, you know, he's a smart guy. He likes to go to fun events. He likes to go to concerts. I'm sure he goes. He's to, a party animal. He is. And, and when he needs to party or go to a game, and he wants some guaranteed tickets, he goes and uses the SeatGeek app, just like me. I use the SeatGeek app all the time. Been looking on there for tickets to a game in October. Going to use SeatGeek when I eventually. Buy those tickets, and you're going to get yourself 20 bucks off your first purchase with the promo code FFT on the SeatGeek app. Again, download SeatGeek, put it on your phone, or go to SeatGeek.com and buy some tickets and use the code FFT for 20 bucks off the purchase. So you search for an event, SeatGeek goes out and does the work for you. You don't have to go look at multiple sites. SeatGeek will do it for you. They bring in the best deals. They rate every ticket based on value, so you can very easily see which seats are giving you the most bang for your buck. Or if you just want to sort by price and you just want to get in there to get the cheapest tickets, you can do that on SeatGeek as well. You can look at the price with the fees and without the fees. I love that feature, actually. And like I said, every ticket is fully guaranteed so you can shop with confidence. Sports, concerts, comedy, theater, use the SeatGeek app and the promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first purchase. If you forget that code, feel free to tweet me or email me. Here's our email of the day. Kyle at fantasyfootballcbsi.com. Subject line was vasectomy. Good morning. I'm getting the old snip snip today. I just wanted to say I will have your podcast on to help me think about something else. Thanks for helping all of us give the real world a break and enjoy fantasy football. P.S. I got the idea from that other guy last year 
who got the vasectomy. Maybe this could be a new thing. Maybe you guys could get a sponsor in this department. Are you tired of having children? <laughs> Want to give up some of your manhood? Go ahead and see Dr. Johnson. He'll take care <laughs> of it. And while you're at Dr. Johnson's office, listen to the finest fantasy football podcast in the world. Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, and a guy who should never be a father, Adam Azer, will take you through the highs and lows of fantasy football while you go through the lows and lows <laughs> of having the snip take place. Very good. Therefore, and when you sit at your house watching sporting events with going, a huh? cold bag of peas on your lap, you'll be ready to go to dominate your fantasy league. So call Dr. Johnson at 555-8989. I don't know why I chose And use the promo code FFT for an extra 20% off. <laughs> What does that mean? That's up to interpretation when you get your vasectomy. <laughs> Kyle, good luck. By the way, the best time to have a vasectomy is during March Madness. Oh yeah, so you can just sit out or World Cup. Just sit now, there and maybe maybe the group stage, sure. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh this category is called Dave went to Europe. Did you want to add anything about your trip to Europe? First time, right? First time going to Europe and it was Paris. Went with just my wife. It was a romantic getaway celebrating our 15-year anniversary. And, uh, wow, hey, congratulations. Thank you. It's, we're actually in year 16. We're celebrating it a year later. We, uh, we had a great time. Um, the Parisians get a bad rap for being rude to Americans. Everybody was really nice to us. And if anybody's going to Paris and needs recommendations on where to go, what to do, reach out. I'll help you out. I know some, I found some good restaurants. I saw a painting called the Mona Lisa. No, you did not, really. Yeah, I, I did, but it, it's it's overrated. Yeah, that's kind of how yeah. what I figured. Went uh, to the Eiffel Tower, that was cool, but I went to the top of the Eiffel Tower, and that was overrated. Oh, yeah. What was I, the best, I, I, uh, I feel like I feel like Paris is like New York City, but in French. <laughs> I oh, by the way, I had um, I had the not joking, Dave. I know you're gonna go back to New York City at some point. The best cookie I've ever had in my life. It was amazing. It was Levain. You ever had a Levain cookie? No. Holy cow. Unbelievable. I don't know if they're nationwide or whatever, but if you ever go to New York City, get a Levain cookie. Terrific. What was the what best? What was so good about it? So, okay, I got a, a chocolate with peanut butter, like a peanut butter chunk kind of deal. It was, uh, it was almost like, Almost like it was, it almost felt like it was stuffed with peanut butter, but it wasn't. It was just so gooey, but in a good way. Like a great consistency. I don't know how to describe it. It was very big. I split it with my wife. By the way, we had our first anniversary on Sunday, so. Mazel tov. Um, I, I can't describe it, Dave. It was clearly the best cookie I've ever had. What was the best thing you ate in France? Best food? I had, uh, one of the two best lasagnas I've ever had in my life there. Found a restaurant where they make the pasta in the restaurant every day fresh. Mm, that's good. And uh, just this unbelievably thin lasagna noodle. They had a lot of the noodles, but they were all very thin, all very fresh. Amazing sauce, just so natural and fresh. Uh, they had a they had a veal, pork, and beef mixture Ooh. for the meat. Lots of bechamel. It was uh, it was magnifique. <laughs> I had it twice. It was so good. Um, that that was great. I tried duck confit. Oh, that's good. And that was really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I tried aligo. I think I'm pronouncing it right. You know what I learned on this trip is, is that, that I know the words in French, but I pronounce them horribly. <laughs> I, I like I, well. I was corrected all the time, and, and like I amused tons of Parisians with my stupid French. But uh, aligo was like this mix of like cheese and butter, and it looks like mashed potatoes. But it's not mashed potatoes. It's like a giant string cheese. And I mean like epically giant, swirly, gooey cream, uh, string cheese. Mm. Okay. It's pretty good. good. Yeah. So anybody going to Paris, you need help with anything, call your old buddy Dave. All right. Let's look at some news and notes. Five, so, five, five, eight, nine. Eight. <laughs> Dr. Johnson. Adam Gay says Frank Gore's age is irrelevant. Now, Jamie briefly touched on this on yesterday's show. He said he heard from someone he trusts that Frank Gore is going to have a role there. And Jamie's a little bit worried about them turning Kenyon Drake loose. I, Frank Gore's, I'm sorry. 
he's too he, he's too old. He, he's too old. He's not good enough anymore. Just look at him. <laughs> he's old. Um, Frank Gore is 35, and he just hasn't been a very good running back. So, um, what do you think? How, how many carries do you think Kenyon Drake's going to get? I think there will be some weeks where he gets over 20. But yeah. there, they'll be few and far between because I don't think the Dolphins are going to be that good this year. But I think Drake, Drake's another guy where if that Dolphins defense was a little bit better. And when I mean, when I say a little bit, I mean a lot better. Uh, I, I think Drake could be one of those future Todd Gurley types. He's a good runner. He can catch the ball. Yeah, he's he, good. Yeah, I, I, I think they'd be dumb to say, all right, we're going to start the season with Frank Gore getting half the reps and Kenyon Drake getting half the reps. That's stupid. Why would you take a playmaker like Drake, who proved he was a playmaker last year? Go back and see. When they traded Jay Ajayi, no one was sure what to expect, and he blew the doors off of what Jay Ajayi did in 2017. Absolutely. So I, I think I, I think it would be stupid to take Kenyon Drake off the field unless he sucks, in which case you're going to see Frank Gore and the Dolphins won't win very many games. Yeah, I took a look at the uh, game log for Kenyon Drake. Because he had five, he had a five game stretch, his only five games, he had with more than, not with double digit carries. He did very well. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry, uh, 4.9 in those five games, the last five games of the season. 91 carries, 444 yards, two touchdowns. In the two games they won, he had 23 and 25 carries. In the three games they lost, he had 13, 14, and 16 carries. In one of the games, the last game of the year, I don't know if this mattered at all, but David Fales got a one yard touchdown run late in the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake scored three. Was rushing Drake touchdowns. playing at that point in the game? I have no idea. Um, he had three rushing touchdowns, and he did not get a lot of carries inside the five yard line. He had only four all year. His three rushing touchdowns were from sixty six, forty two, and one yard out. So I have some concerns about him getting uh, the carries near the goal line. But if they give it to Frank Gore, I mean, come on, Dave. Old, too old. That's what he is. He's too old. Well, and he will get some token short yardage touchdowns. He might even get the very first one of the year because he's the Miami man yeah. coming home to play in his hometown. I just made a weird sound. I went, Bleh. it was very strange. Now, was it a, was it like one of those puke burps? No, it was me about to start a sentence, but talking over you. So I stopped it and I went, Bleh. former Patriot, current NFL network analyst, Willie McGinnis told the pick six podcast, which you should be listening to, by the way. That he could see Tom Brady retiring after he wins his next Super Bowl. Listen to that. Do you interview. think? Do you think that Brady was planning on doing that this year or this past year? I don't know. Like he he was planning Maybe. on taking his ball and going home if he beats the Eagles, and then he didn't beat the Eagles, and now he's going to play another year. It's plausible. It's very plausible. They could win the Super Bowl this year, of course. Uh, meanwhile, Cardinals Cardinals reporter Mike Jarecki expects a breakout season from Ricky Seals Jones. What do you think? Headlines like that will we'll get Seals Jones drafted for sure. And it's going to be with a late-round pick, and there's nothing wrong with going after RSJ with a late-round pick. Week one against Washington, that's a decent matchup, I guess, to start the season with. But week two, he's at the Rams. I don't think you can use him. He should probably be one of those guys that you would consider as your second tight end. Would you rather have Ricky Seals Jones or O.J. Howard? I have Howard ranked higher as of now. And final note, Eli Manning says Sterling Shepard is in for a big year. Well, he talked up everybody. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, Odell Beckham is in amazing shape. He looks like his old self, and Sterling Shepard looks prime for a big year. Sterling Shepard's going to be touchdown dependent. That's kind of what he's been all along, and that's what he'll continue to be. If he doesn't score, you're going to wish you'd never started him. If Beckham gets hurt, I think he could be in for a, a very big year. Yes, Fair comment, Adam. Yeah. He's still, again, late round pick. I'll take him over Ricky Seals Jones. Here's another, yeah. Here's another draft strategy. So, okay, yesterday, like I said, I floated the upside strategy. How about this one? Drafting a quarterback and a tight end with two of your first four picks. Quarterback and tight end with two of your first four picks. And that basically, to me, means getting Aaron Rodgers. Cause I, I wouldn't do it for anyone else other than Aaron Rodgers. Um, so we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and one of those three tight ends. So if you started your draft with Saquon Barkley, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Amari Cooper, and then Tom Brady still there in round four, you're going to pass on him? Yeah, but if 
if I had Rogers there in round four, I'd take him. So let's say it was sure. Okay. Let's say so it was you... Barkley, Gronk, Rogers in round three, and then who would be my round four pick at that point? I'll take a look at ADP. So that would be around pick forty. And that could be like a Darius Geis, I'm sure. De- Derek Henry's going fortieth. Uh Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, Juju, uh Alex Collins, someone like that. Maybe Geis. Diggs. There's a good player there that I could definitely take. Yeah, what do you think? So look at this Twitter poll. So the other ones weren't so interesting. This one is. Um in a twelve team league, how do you feel about drafting a quarterback and a tight end with two of your first four picks? And I gave three options. I got almost 2,000 votes now. I like it. No strong opinion. I dislike it. 78% of the respondents said that dislike the idea of taking a quarterback and a tight end with two of their first four picks in a 12-team league. I agree with them. I think it's too much too soon. And a lot of people are going to be focused on waiting for a quarterback anyway. So you probably got a high percentage of people who just thought, I don't want to take a quarterback with one of my first four picks, so I'm going to hit, I don't like it. Which is fair. It's a fair criticism. There are so many quarterbacks this year that waiting for them in a league where you only start one seems like a pretty smart idea. You can't do that with tight end, but you can do that with quarterback. Now, if we're in a 10-team league and you want to start your draft with this this way, quarterback and tight end with two of your first four picks, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I completely agree. That's why I put specifically in the Twitter poll a 12-team league. It is a right. huge difference. And obviously, eight-team league, it's even better. Because in those leagues, you almost want to collect superstars. Now, one thing, Dave, I don't know if you could find it. And I, maybe you want to talk about something else while I find it. But in the pick-by-pick sequence, I think Jamie had a team like this. And we did talk about it. And I ended up liking it. It doesn't look great, but he has, I think, Rodgers and Ertz or something like that, or Rodgers and Kelsey. And, you know, he's a little weak at the other spots, but my theory is, like, we're going to be good at playing the waiver wire. We'll pick up some guys. Let's get elite players. And I I remember I talked about this during one of our mock draft recaps. Like, if it comes down to taking Demarius Thomas or Aaron Rodgers, and I already have a tight end, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. I don't care about, oh, I need a wide receiver here, because I I think Demarius Thomas just is, like, he's fine. Whereas Rodgers could be a huge difference maker. We use that term all the time. So it, it really depends on who's on the board, but I'm not going to pass up a great player, uh, even if it's not a running back or wide receiver. You know, uh, if I have to end up with an, with an elite player at quarterback and, and wide rec- and, and tight end, I'd rather do that than settle for a low upside or a medium upside guy. So I can tell you the team that Jamie did this in. Okay. He had the number one overall pick, and he took Todd Gurley, of course. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill came after that in rounds two and three, and then Aaron Rodgers was uh, his pick at the end of round four. Yeah, the team overall, um, I would say it, it was built nicely, or at least made. I don't. It was it was nice, okay, but it wasn't like wow, he he got some amazing steals, and now his team's ready to rock. The team is going to be Rodgers at quarterback, Gurley, and then you pick a Packers running back from Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Oh, this is pre-suspension. This is pre-suspension. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Alshon Jeffrey are the wide receivers, Kelsey at tight end. Corey Davis is the third receiver. Randall Cobb is the fourth. He's got Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines at running back, and he backed up Gurley with John Kelly. So he's got pieces of the Rams, Packers, and Colts run games. Which isn't bad if you're going to do that. And along with it, he's got a stud tight end, stud quarterback, and um, pretty good wide receivers. Might be among the worst receiver starting duo in the league, but still okay. That's I don't have a problem who? with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, Hill and Jeffrey. And, and yeah, Jeffrey. you know what? I remember talking to Jamie about this, and what we kind of what I said was, I wish you had been able to take T.Y. Hilton over Tyreek Hill. But Hilton actually had gone before, which was the earliest I had seen Hilton go in the sea. He went late second round instead of early third round. Uh, but he, you know, Jamie kind of felt like the risk on this team was having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, maybe a little bit too much exposure to the Chiefs. What if they don't have a good year offensively? What if Sammy Watkins cuts in? 
But, you know, I, I think if you start, if you got like some studs and you're elite at tight end and you're elite at quarterback and you can play the waiver wire, you might be able to get away with it. I will say that of the three strategies I'm going to throw out this week, this is my least favorite and I probably won't do it. Drafting a quarterback and a tight end with two of my first four picks in a 12 team league or deeper. But it is definitely something to consider in a 10 team league. In fact, I think it's a good strategy in a 10 team league. I also don't hate the strategy in an auction because I think quarterback values are going to be muted in an auction. And if you, if you feel like you've got an okay price for one of those top three tight ends, hopefully you won't have to pay that much for Aaron Rodgers. And you'll be able to put together a really nice team otherwise with Rodgers and insert stud tight end here on your squad. One last thing. Two, two, two things. This is the first one. With Jamie's team, if he had passed on Aaron Rodgers at the end of round four and took somebody like Mark Ingram, Royce Freeman, Jay Ajayi, Lamar Miller, and then he, later on in the draft, round 10, or even round 9, he passes on Randall Cobb and he takes Andrew Luck. Is the team better? So it's Luck and who? Ingram? Luck and Ingram. Oh, in, uh, instead, instead of, Rogers of and... Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb. No, I don't necessarily think so. Okay. It's possible. That's a 50-50 to me. What do you think? Well, I like running back depth to begin with. And I'm, I'm one of the people that will, I don't mind splurging on a tight end or quarterback with one of my first five picks, but not both. All right, Dave. Uh, I'll uh, do it if I think the value is just really, really good. I know you want to touch and, on and, the, uh... and I did it in the Scott Fishbowl League. Oh, okay. I know you want to touch on the, the upside strategy. Yeah, real quick. Can I do that? Um, or you can spend a little more time on it tomorrow. It's up to you. We're on our well, I want to say I'm going to do it now. I, I think this is how you draft starting in round seven. You pretty much go upside all the way. I'm talking about yeah. round seven, baby. I'm talking about round one. Every single I know, pick you make. But, but when I'm looking at the middle rounds and the late rounds, I'm going for upside almost exclusively. Yeah, the premise of it, I know you missed it, was it only takes one or two great players to make a fantasy team. You're not starting that many guys, and guys can just carry you. So do everything you can to find that guy. And just think about upside. But yep. uh, we thought we spent a lot of time on it yesterday, so let's move on. Let's put another player under the microscope. Under the microscope. And it's going to be Keenan Allen, a borderline first-round pick, entering his sixth season, which is really surprising. It just because he's been hurt, you know, it doesn't feel like he's played five years, but he was the third-best wide receiver last year. If you take Keenan Allen's fantasy points from last year and put him in 2016, not quite as good. But it would have been seventh in non-PPR and fifth in PPR. Uh, he, of course, only played one game in 2016, but I'm talking about his 17 production in 16. Uh, where do you want to start with Keenan Allen putting him under the microscope, Dave? Well, let's start with his role on the Chargers. He's clearly their number one target. He had 159 targets in 16 games, so about 10 targets per game. Yeah, I love that. That's exactly what I'm looking for from a number one wide receiver. It might be more than what I'm looking for from a number one wide receiver. And he he's had a, a good to amazing catch rate. If you look at his catch rate in the eight games he played in 2015, it was 90, it was 75.3%, excuse me. Last year it was 64.2%. He's always been at least 63%. I think I he th- this is the, the biggest element to his game is that he's got great hands to go with great size. And he's not a burner, but last year he did average 13.7 yards per catch, which uh, which was a four-year high for him. I like that too. And I like that the Chargers offense is is going to continue to be uh, aggressive. Phillip Rivers under center is a good thing. That offensive line should be good. Lots of weapons there, and Hunter Henry's not there. I don't think Antonio Gates, if he signs with the Chargers, is going to go ahead and, and just fill in exclusively with whatever – Hunter Henry was going to do, maybe that leads to even more targets. Yeah, and more and more for, touchdowns because that's Keenan what's Allen. missing for Keenan Allen. He, right, he had eight as a rookie, and you thought, well, I mean, this is what he's going to do every year because he was outstanding. And last year he had six, and I believe most of them came in the second half of the season. Yeah, well, he was recovering from the ACL injury and got off to a bit of a slow start, but uh, the second half was better for Keenan Allen, and he ended up with 102 catches, just shy of 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. And it looks like he's a 1,400-yard guy. I mean, in his in 2017, he had 1,400 catches. In 2015, he played eight games, and he was on pace 
for uh 1450 yards with 134 catches. He had a great first half there. Probably wouldn't have kept that pace up. Uh so the negatives with Keenan Allen I think is the lack of touchdowns so far in his career. But you mentioned all the targets that are being lost with Gates and Henry. How about the red zone targets? Last two years Gates and Henry they combined for 39 red zone targets in 2016, 23 last year. 15 targets inside the 10 in 2016. 19 targets inside the 10 last year, 15 touchdowns in 2016, seven touchdowns last year, and they haven't replaced them yet. So you got Mike Williams, you got Tyrell Williams, but, you know, there are more touchdown opportunities. And then I love this. Ken Wisenhunt has been the offensive coordinator for the Chargers in three of their last five seasons. He was the coordinator in 2013. Then he got a head coaching job with the Titans. Then he came back and he's been their coordinator again for 2016 and 17. In those three seasons with Wisenhunt, the Chargers, they haven't thrown the ball necessarily all that much. Last year they did, eighth most pass attempts, but they've been so efficient. They've had, um, they've been top eight in passing yards and top six in passing touchdowns all three of Wisenhunt's seasons. And Rivers, Dave, has been a top seven quarterback all three seasons. So it's just a great combination. I agree. I, I agree with what you're saying. And, um, what I, I just did a little bit of research on Allen, and it looks like half of his touchdowns, you can set your watch to it, have been in the red zone. So if there was ever a year for him to break out of that and come through with two-thirds of his touchdowns in the red zone without without the game Hunter Henry there, I think this is it. So I definitely like him as a potential late first-rounder in PPR and a top 15, 16-ish player in non-PPR. So and it's it's weird to say, but I actually feel kind of safe about him. You know, the injuries that he suffered were one of them was very fluky, and the other one he's come back from just fine. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yes, there are other options out there, but if he stays healthy, it doesn't get much safer than him in in PPR. I do see a lot of people taking Keenan Allen over Odell Beckham. It, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but I see some people ranking Allen ahead of Beckham or taking him ahead of Beckham specifically in PPR. How do you feel about that? I'm not going to do that. I think there's still more upside with Beckham. It does feel like a little bit, feels like overthinking it a little bit. You know, like, come on, Maybe. Beckham's Beckham. Yeah. You know, Allen's great, but Beckham's Beckham. You know what I mean? All right, so, <laughs> <laughs> but Beckham has never had a 1,400-yard season, I don't think, or maybe just over it. So uh Beckham's rookie year was unbelievable. I don't think he's quite been at that per-game pace. He only played 12 Well, games no one's year. covered him the same way since then. And I th- that's another thing with Beckham as we sort of, you know, transition off Allen. I do wonder if the Sterling Shepard healthy, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram in his second year, if that's going to help Beckham because he has been – he's gotten a lot of double teams. He's been the guy on an island. And it might help him actually, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. It could. Dave, let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. James from the UK, your buddy over there in in in, uh, in Europe. Just a couple of Europeans, me and James. Have you any tips on strategies for drafting kickers? Oh, what the hell was that? That was Australia. That was yeah, it was Australia. It was. That was that was your Fosters. That was really bad, Australian, Australian for yeah. for terrible <laughs> imitations. Some players in my fantasy league take kickers near the top of the ratings and stick with them all season. I tend to go week to week from waivers, but to be honest, it's a bit of a random strategy. Are there any stats that can help? Dave, what's your kicker strategy? I just like to take kickers who have shown an ability to consistently make field goals and play on teams that can move the ball very well. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) Who's your number one kicker? It's Greg the Leg Zerloin. Zerloin? Zerloin? Greg the Leg Zerloin with the Rams. Yeah. Zerloin. Yeah, Justin, Justin Tucker just behind him in number two because he's he's got the accurate leg. He doesn't necessarily have the offense has the offense that can you know move the ball room room all over the place. But the the Ravens do have an offense that can get across midfield, get inside the thirty, and then just like fall apart. Another thing that's then, nice about Zerline, sorry, is that he's got a week twelve buy. Oh, this is making me like him even more. He has a week twelve buy. Greg Zerline, and the only other team on by that week is the Chiefs. 
So that means you can draft him, and during his bye week, you won't have that many players probably, unless you have a lot of Chiefs and Rams, which wouldn't be a bad thing, on bye. Therefore, you might not have to drop Greg Zerline, because I hate when you draft a kicker that you really like, and then you get to his bye week and you got to cut him loose. So that's a pretty cool thing for him. Week 12 bye, it's late in the season. A lot of teams are going to be out of it by then, not even paying attention, and there's only one other team on bye, so you might not have to go too deep into waivers and drop your kicker. Uh, Chris, Smart. Chris from any town that ends in an E. Ooh. Any town that ends with an E. Uh-huh. Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Want to go with Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, yeah. I am keeping Derrick Henry with a fifth round pick. Do you think Deion Lewis is a must own? And if so, when would you, when would you draft Deion Lewis as the Derrick Henry owner? Definitely don't think you have to get him if you get Derrick Henry. Henry, I think, is the better back of the two. And I, I'm not bullish on Deion Lewis. So I'm probably, in a keeper league, I might look at him in round six. Yeah. In a non, it's going to be later than that. Which means I'm not going to get him. We've seen Tevin Coleman be amazing when Devontae Freeman's been out. It's a ton of work. It's a ton of fantasy points. Do you think that happens with Deion Lewis if Derrick Henry's out? Well, sure. If he's in an opportunity to get a lot of touches and in an offense that I think is going to have a a big-time creative change, then, yeah, he could be good. But I I always have a hard time trusting former Patriots running backs because the way that New England plays – and the way that the running back is defended there is way different than how the running back is going to be defended in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to get every touch because Derrick Henry's there. Yeah, I, and also I don't know that Lewis gets 20 carries if Derrick Henry misses time. You know, I, I don't know that he's ever going to do that. But he could get 14, 15 carries and five or six catches. He, he could, you're right. Okay, this is from uh Dave, a Ravens fan somewhere deep in the heart of Texas. Let's go with Austin. Dear Jerry, Bob, Phil, and Mickey. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we should know. Jerry, that. Bob, Phil, and Mickey. Yeah, I'll look Mickey. it up. Uh, first pick in a 10-team half PPR league. When it comes I know to- Mickey and Jerry are mice. Oh, it's the Grateful Dead, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First pick in a half PPR league. When it comes back around to the second, third round, I have a lot of options. Uh, I really like taking a shot at Nixon here, but I know it's a reach. Uh, if the, that would be pick 2021 in your draft. I've gotten a lead RB1 with my first pick. So between Mixon, Freeman, Gronk, Thielen, McCoy, and Baldwin, pick two. I would wait. If that's what's available when I'm up in round two, I'm going to wait to get one of those running backs. And I, I have a feeling Mixon can make it back to you in early round three. No way. In early, no, he's got he's got the next pick in round three. He's picking Oh, the, so then he's definitely going to make it back. Yeah, yeah. He's got the first pick in a 10-team league, so he's looking at the swing picks 20 and 21. If you, you want to do Gronk and Mixon, you go right ahead. Gronk if it were me, sure. I'm doing Gronk and Baldwin. If it were me, I might do Gronk and Hilton. But he didn't list Hilton. Could have been gone already. Could have been. Well, he should have been gone. Gronk. 20th overall. Hmm, like Devontae Adams isn't there? Nah, probably not. I think one of those top Mike Evans isn't there. I feel like you can do a little bit better than he this. He could be there. But and I'd I'd actually be a little surprised if Gronk is there. Yeah, I Gronk could see somebody stands taking out. Gronk a little sooner. Take Gronk if he's there. Yeah. All right, next email is from Steve, and he is from where? Boston, Massachusetts. He says, "Dear Rick, Arn, Ali, and Tully." Oli. Oli. <laughs> I do that every those time. Those are the, those are the four horsemen. Yeah. You I just, do that to poor Oli Anderson every time. I just woke up from a dream like 15 minutes ago. I was driving in a car with Pam Halpert from the office and we were, <laughs> we were on our way to a fantasy draft. I was telling her to take Barkley at four because his upside is much greater than anyone not named Bell, Brown, Gurley, DJ, or Zeke due to volume in a 10 team PBR league. Uh, with 10 keepers off the board already, including Brown and Zeke, blah, blah, blah. But in my league, I have the number four pick. Is my subconscious telling me to take Barkley because I told Pam Halpert to do that? Uh, I had no intention of getting him, but do I have to now? That's hilarious. Maybe. That's funny. Yes. I had a, I had a crazy 
ah, oh, do I want to tell this? I think I'll tell this. I had a crazy dream slash real life moment last two weeks ago. Wait, can we answer? Let's answer the question first. Yeah, if he, it depends on who else is there. Well, but Brown in and draft, Zeke are there's gone. a lot of guys gone. Barkley yeah. might be the best available for. He might be. I mean, he, this would technically be like the sixth pick because Brown and Zeke are gone. So Bell, Gurley, would you take David Johnson or Saquon Barkley? I mean, I'm probably still taking Kareem Hunt. I'm probably taking Johnson. I'm going Kareem Hunt and Johnson over Barkley. Yeah, I think I am too as of now. But things can change. Mm -hmm. And your dream could be telling you something. Could be. Dave, what was your crazy dream? I had a dream two weeks ago that I was in Philadelphia, and I was in a sub shop. Of course, food's involved. And uh, the, the owner of the sub shop recognizes me and he says, oh, you used to work with Brian Westbrook and, uh, you know, he lives near here. Why don't I give him a call? He'll come in and you guys can hang out. And minutes later, in walks Brian Westbrook. That was my dream. I dreamed about Brian Westbrook. Later that day, I get a text from Brian Westbrook. <laughs> no way. Dropping a line to say hi, how things no are going. Way. And I told him about it, and I—I I don't know if I weirded him out, but it was just—it was funny. It was crazy. Well, weird how that happens. That is weird because I had a dream about Derek Jeter last night. So let's see what happens tonight. Did he text you tonight? We're gonna find out. We're gonna find out, aren't we? Has he ever texted you before? No, but things, dreams do come true. I'm—I'm I'm gonna take—I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. He doesn't text you, but I might—I might grab somebody's phone <laughs> and be like, "Hey, Derek Jeter here." Owner of the Marlins now. You might know me from my time with the Yankees. Okay. What's up, man? Brandon from Wesley Chapel wants to know if Tyrod Taylor could be a huge steal in a Superflex league. Well, the the big if is whether or not he plays a lot of the season. But theoretically, he's actually in a better place now than he was in Buffalo. Like at any point in Buffalo. Look at what's around him there. Everybody's scared to draft him because they figure Cleveland's still going to stink. And by the time they play, uh, they got a couple of home games. Week 9 at home against Kansas City. Week 10 at Atlanta. Could be time for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. But late round pick, I don't think it's such a terrible idea, especially in the Superflex. He could get you off to a hot start in that type of a format. Last email here. Shannon from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dirk. Dirk, Bowser, Ryu, and Duke. These are 80s video game characters? Video, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I don't you know, know. Bowser. I know Bowser and Ryu, Street Fighter. I believe Dirk is from, oh, what was that video game where he's like a knight? Oh, this is going to bother me because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with this game. Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair is the game because it looked different from all the other video games at the arcade. Duke Nukem it was, must be the other one. Okay. Not yeah. Duke Johnson. I didn't know that Street Fighter was from a, was the 80s movie. It was an 80s game. Yeah, 1987. Okay, here's the, uh, here's the question. 12 team standard redraft league, redraft league, no keepers, but we can trade draft picks for future seasons. I finished at the bottom of the league last year, but I made some trades. I have the first, second, and third picks of the first round this year. Wow. Yeah, pretty good. Wow, that's crazy. What do I do in rounds two and three at the turn? Do I load up on wide receiver or running back or pick a combo of a tight, you know, a, gr- a tight end and Aaron Rodgers? Cause he's gonna have Le'Veon, Gurley, and probably Antonio Brown. What do you do with picks in your, with your, uh, well, in the second and third rounds? They'd be picks four and five. See, that's, a, that, like, that could be a time where you go Aaron Rodgers and a tight end. Sure. But what I might consider doing, and this sounds like a league where he can actually get away with this, is to trade out of that third pick and move back and, uh, collect an extra pick and get a, get, get your receiver later on in round one. Yeah, so maybe. instead of taking Antonio Brown third in a, in a non-PPR league that seems a little too soon, you get Le'Veon Gurley and then maybe Beckham at 10 or you know, if you like Julio better, you take Julio at 10, and then you've got an extra pick on top of what you're doing in rounds two and three. Right. But yeah, if, if you keep it the way it is, I like what you're thinking to get, you know, it could be Kelsey and Rogers there. That would, uh, that, that, that would entice me. That would be cool. 
Dave? This, this sounds like a weird league, though, because if, if there's no keepers and you're doing redraft and you're allowed to trade picks, then some teams are just going to have some terrible squads Dave? in a redraft like this. Dave. Oh, ooh, what? Dave, ooh. say something in French to end the show. Et qui sont les gens qui en chapeau? I know what that means in English. It means... Na-na-na-na-na-na. Nah. Nah.